If you're an ambitious business owner ready to think big, rewrite your own rules and take action to skyrocket your business know-how, your profit, your cash flow, and most importantly, your free time, then this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Waterson. I'm a business profit coach helping business owners just like you make more profit and take back their time. So hit subscribe now and let's dive in. Today, I'm excited to be talking to Tori Kepke from Big Ideas Rural. We're talking about growing an online community, where to start, how to build engagement. We talk through the importance of knowing and researching your target market and my favorite, pursuing your goals with serious determination. Tori is a Texan turned Aussie who has taken her years of business experience and is now using it to help grow businesses in little towns around Australia. Tori's a rural business coach. She's focused on sales, strategy and systems. Her big driver, without a doubt, is her passion for growing rural businesses and communities and helping them grow, connect and network despite their location. She does this in a number of ways, but it's her community called Big Ideas Rural that has attracted me to her. Whether you're a rural business or not, Tori has plenty to say, and it's definitely worth tuning into. Tori, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, So I am based in the Wheatbelt of WA, so um, we're on a family farm here. I am a business coach for rural businesses, and then I also have the amazing space, um, which is Big Ideas Rural, which is a community for rural business women from across Australia. And so it's just a great place to come together and connect and upskill and really just um, find a community. So it's a, a great space, and it's been around for and almost it, it 12 is. months. Yeah. Yeah, it is a great space. I actually encourage anybody who is, do you just take rural women, rural businesses, or is it kind of, um, is that kind of the the main business owner that you have in your group there? A hundred percent. So rural business women, um, yeah. or if we have a few, um, I want to say like less than five um, women who are based in the city, but their target market might be rural business women, or they do a lot of client work with rural women. Um, So it's definitely a pretty specific space, but it is, um, yeah, it's it's incredible. And I think we're pushing 70 um, members within the inner circle, which is uh, our kind of closed group. Yeah, yeah. And it's a really great group. If anybody out there is from a rural area and you're looking to sort of be able to mix with other like-minded people. I hate using the word like-minded because I feel like that is just kind of, you know, a bit of a throwaway term, but it really is nice to be in a group with other country girls. I'm a country girl. Um, I've always been in the country and as much as I would love to get to the city, I can't hack the city. So I will forever be a country girl. And this is just a really nice place for us to sort of, yeah, get together and meet with other people. So Tori, tell me about you, your accent. You are a Texan, I believe. What was it that uh, shifted you from America to here? 
So I am originally a Texan. <laughs> I have been here for 10 years now. Um, I came over, well, I graduated uni in the middle of the GFC. So that was a big, um, <laughs> that was, there were not many yeah. opportunities for new uni grads with minimal work experience at that point. So I thought, right, I'll go see the world. Um, and off I went. Australia gave me a visa. You guys speak English. It seemed like a good fit. Uh, traveled around a bit and working as a barmaid, as you do. And I eventually met my husband, who was a farmer and drank beer. And I was a barmaid. It was perfect. Oh, match made in heaven. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's, um, oh, that's great. it's been 10 years now. And I went into business for myself about five years ago and haven't looked back. It's been the best decision. And other than Big Ideas Rural, you have, you're have you a business coach as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started out um, doing, it was more, I recognized that there was this gap between the city and the country and that, you know, our population out here in the country, our, the closest town to me is 25 k's away and there might be 400 people in the town. So it's not, it's not huge. So our population is much smaller, much more spread out. And so we can't market the same as we can in the city. And I just started recognizing that there was this huge gap between city and country. And even, uh, even just, you know, Facebook was out, Instagram was just starting, there was Twitter, there were all these platforms and no one really knew how to use them for country businesses. And so I thought, right, this is my opportunity. I need to really start focusing on, on these people and serving these people because the um, the city companies that would come out and try to help, they just were missing the mark because they weren't connected. They weren't living out here. They didn't understand. And so yeah. I recognized straight away, look, I've got to fill this gap. And so I started, yeah, working specifically with, um, we're in the wheat belts. So I started off working with wheat belt businesses and it started out mostly on their marketing, but my background um, is in, it's more of um, production, manufacturing, sales processes, um, and then marketing as well. And so I thought, right, I'm going to take all of this knowledge that I have from a whole bunch of industries and package it all together. And a, a business coach is just the best fit for kind of all of my experience that I've got. Yeah, no, that's it's probably actually a great combination because I think when you're helping other businesses um, as a business coach or a consultant, you really need to be very process-driven and organized and systemized and be prepared to do the stuff and encourage other businesses to do the stuff that is unfun. And there's a lot of unfun stuff in business, particularly if you want to start growing your business. If you want to take your business from, you know, from ground level to the next level to the next level, then at some point you've got to stop, you know, you really need to dig in and do the stuff that we don't particularly love doing. And that's where I think perhaps a business coach or consultant, or someone just coming in and giving you a hand with that, who has that background in systems and processes and that type of thing is you know, really beneficial. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. So I always say growth isn't sexy. Like the idea of it is, oh yeah, you know, bright, shiny thing. Here I am growing and scaling my business. But really what gets us to grow is doing the same thing over and over again, and then adding more on top of it and layering. Um, it's not just this magical 
flick of a wand and here we are growing this big, beautiful business. It really is a bit boring. It is a bit of systems. It is definitely um, proven strategies. And then I like to say a twist of innovation and creativity. You don't have to do um, it the same way that everyone else is doing it, but you've got to do it consistently yeah. the same way over and over again. You do. And and when you're doing something consistently the same way over and over again, at some point you get to the, you, you get so on top of it that you can go, okay, I actually don't need to do that one step. So I can make it more efficient. I don't need to do this step now, or I can do this step, but I can get somebody else to do it. Or I can, I can find software to do it for me. It's about just getting better and better and better little tiny piece at a time. And whether it is uh, from your marketing systems, to your sales systems, to your bookkeeping systems, to whatever it is, the hundreds and hundreds of things that we do in business, the more efficient that we can get at every tiny little piece of it, then, you know, at the end of the day, we can make more money and not be working ourselves into the ground, which is sounds like a pretty good goal to me. <laughs> I think that is the ultimate goal, you know, make more money and, and work less, work less hard. And I'm huge, a huge fan of outsourcing. So that's why I think systems are so important. You know, you do it yourself, you get it down, down pat and then outsource it, get someone else to do it. So I want to talk with you today, Tori, about growing an online community. So an online community, I can totally understand being a rural person, how important it is for us to do that. Because like you say, I'm from a small town of only 4,000 people. I'm three and a half hours away from Melbourne. So I can get to the city anytime. I can jump in the car and go to the city anytime. It's really no problem for me. But it's not something I want to be doing all the time because you know, it doesn't really fit into my life schedule. I don't want to be in the car all the time. So as a rural person, I am reaching out to online communities all the time for a couple of different reasons. I wonder if you could just tell a story, what would be the main reasons that you would recommend that someone grow an online community for a start before we really get into how to do it? Yeah, definitely. So I guess my motivation for growing an online community was I was quite uh, engaged on a um, physical level, as in I went in person to a lot of networking events. And I was quite in tune with our local business community, which was called the Wheat Belt Business Network. Then I got pregnant and I had a two-year-old and there, oh, well, I didn't have a two-year-old. I had a newborn. <laughs> and, then, <I> <laughs> and then from that point, I was no longer free. My my evenings for networking time, um, my weekends, my, my time um, capacity changed completely. And obviously, I was quite homebound. Um, and from that, I realized, well, just because I'm sitting here at home, I'm still running my business. I'd love to be connected with other people in a same in a similar situation, and I just started looking. And while there were um, some networks around, there was nothing that was really going to let me to connect to women in my same situation on a national level online in the way that I wanted, which was not reading a blog, not just an occasional webinar. I just I wanted to be connected. I wanted to have chats. I wanted to feel supported on Instagram. I just wanted a real community and I couldn't find it. So for me, it was a, a need, a, a selfish need <laughs> that I really wanted to just fill this space that no one else was filling. And so 
I think that if you can do that as an online community, it's, it's invaluable. So if you can actually serve people and give them a space to connect and feel a part of something, I think that is the ultimate goal in an online community. Yeah. And it's even more so of an issue now, now that people are really locked up at home in the year of 2020, we're all turning to the online world for so, so many different reasons. And for those of us that have already got an online community up and running, or we've had some experience at doing it, then yes, I guess it's a case of just doubling down and, and, you know, working harder at it. I don't know what it is that you do if you've already got one, but I'd love to start with what it is you do if you don't already have one. How do you how do you create it? Where do you start if you've never really had your own online community, Tori? Oh, loaded question. Great question. Um, so where I started mm. was it started with a podcast, which is probably the backwards way to do it. Um, usually when, you know, you're marketing something or you're building something, you start with maybe a social platform and then build from there. But it actually started with a podcast. Um, I had a co-founder and, and she was running an amazing podcast specifically around rural business women. So maybe predating the podcast is knowing your target market. So who you're, who you're actually trying to connect with and serve, that's probably the number one thing. And then I'd say market research. So how I found my wonderful co-founder is I was doing market research. I was looking to say who's out here servicing these people that I want to service, that I want to be a part of. And then, yeah, when we realized that there was no one else really serving, it just became a matter of identifying, okay, how do we want that? What do we want this community to look like and really casting our vision? And, you know, we didn't start with all of the things. We didn't start with um, courses and membership and Instagram and Facebook groups and email marketing and opt-ins, we didn't start like that. And so I think starting simple is really important. So find one place where you know. It's actually really refreshing (laughs) to hear. Yeah, it's really refreshing to hear, Tori, because it's it is it does feel as though that is the only place to start, and there's a lot of pressure for people to start, which means you have to build this online presence and build. Um, a, a, almost like an online community over there on all your socials and have all of the things working before you can grow that online community. But you're sort of flipping around on its head and saying, okay, well, hang on a second. Think about who it is that you really want to get in touch with. Who is that one person that you want to get in touch with and then create it from from nothing for them? Is that kind of where you're going? A hundred percent. So it was all driven based upon what this market was saying they wanted. And so it started out as uh, we had the podcast and then we had an Instagram page and it was just an Instagram page. And I'm a big fan of the concept of stacking rather than shifting. So like I said earlier, you know, you get one thing working really, really well and then you stack another thing on top. And so the next thing that we stacked on top was we did a mini marketing course. And so that was what we stacked. We got that course going beautifully. I think we had on the launch, we had 50 women, which was incredible for a brand new community. Um, And then the next thing we stacked on top, I think we did a, a Facebook page. And then the next thing we stacked, I think we did our website. So we did a whole bunch before we even had a website. So 
for me, it's really important. It was really important to listen to what the audience needed and what they wanted. That sounds like such an intelligent way to approach it because I think what we do as business owners when we first get into it, it's so tempting to go uh, and set the website up and and just go hard at it with the Facebook, well, less less so these days, but the Instagram page and just start there and blast whatever it is that you want to blast out there to the world. But it's kind of, it's just such a slow way to do it. Whereas I love that concept of stacking what it is you're doing. Do something well, do it purposefully and do it properly and then start on to the next item. I think that's, yeah, really an intelligent way to start growing a business. Yeah, definitely. Because what I actually see a lot of business owners do is they shift. So, you know, I'll, I'll dabble over here in Instagram. Oh, it's not really do, doing what I want it to do. I'll come over here and I'll dabble in email marketing. Oh, that's not. So they're shifting between strategies rather than going, yep, yeah, I've got this. I'm nailing it. Okay. Now adding something new and really building those layers. Uh, so I think that that's really key, especially because online we're inundated with so much information, you know, information is everywhere. And so I think it's just really important, like let's build strategies that stick and that actually serve people. And then let's add another strategy on top. From there, building an engaged audience. So we're talking about growing a, a community is one thing, but then there is such a magical difference when you come across a community that it has actual engagement that makes seems to make all the difference for me on the receiving end you know as a member of a community it's all about the engagement that people have which is a tough gig for people as somebody running a community it's hard isn't it to really build that engagement a hundred percent I would say it is a challenge that I have daily to make sure it is engaged an engaged community I made the conscious effort that I didn't want it to be, you know, a community all about Tori. Like it's not, it's not about me. It's about every woman and every woman's journey. And so I really wanted to make it a community about a rural woman in business. And so that's why we have things like a weekly Instagram takeover, which you did um, a few weeks ago and you did fantastic. Um, Yeah, but I think it was so fun. (laughs) And I can tell you, Tori, that I am not into Instagram stories. That was massively out of my comfort zone. I was, I barely slept the night before. I was so worried about it, but I loved it. Once I got into it, I really quite enjoyed it. And I find that everyone says that once they're in there and they're doing it, it's pushed them out of their comfort zone. And it's also, you know, you're actually talking to women that are exactly in your shoes. So, um, I think that's that's been a really fun thing is that Instagram takeover, that weekly takeover. But another thing is ensuring that we are serving. So I always try to do check-ins like what sort of topics do you want to hear about? What do you want to do next? So that I'm not dictating what people need in their business because I'm not in 70 women's businesses, so I need that kind of feedback. And I think that that helps with engagement is making sure that we're serving the need that they have. And so last month we did um, productivity, but admin productivity. So focusing on your inbox and your filing and your to-do list, so very admin specific things, which 
I guess on the surface sounds a little bit boring, but oh my goodness, we got such amazing feedback and so many people wanted that. And so I think that's an important part of an engaged community is continuously checking back in and making sure you're still serving them. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the thing is you really need to have that clarity around who you're serving, what their particular issues are and, and that, and keeping in touch with them and keeping that communication open with them is the key to making sure you don't lose track of that clarity, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and I try to check in with as many of our members as often as possible, Um, And another thing that we do within our community that I think helps engagement, I like to think it helps (laughs) engagement, is we, you know, we have things like hashtags that you follow and that you can engage with. We also have, this one's a good tip. If you're looking to build like a paid community, we have a whole Instagram page that is only following members of the community so that you can immediately see who all your other people are and you can go connect with them. And so I think that is amazing as well is that you know who your people are and you can connect with them. We also have a Facebook group and we have a few other ways that they can do that. But I think it's really important that it's not just about you as a member, it's about the whole community. Yeah. And I've actually noticed with your community that I've received, whether it was from the Insta story takeover that I did or before or after that, I'm not sure, but I feel like a lot of my social followers have actually come from your group. And it it does feel like that kind of group where people really want to get to know each other. They're not all there for their own purposes and for their own reasons. I feel like you've created this uh, community of women who feel comfortable to share, but comfortable in that they're not just all going to be sold to or um, ignored or whatever it might be. Yeah. I feel like you've kind of just done it just right. Oh, thank you. That is my goal. I mean, I, I really wanted it to be supportive and and connected because like I said it all started because I was just feeling so disconnected on my own and so I really wanted to bridge that gap and and create a space where you did feel connected and you did feel like you had um someone supporting you and cheerleading you so yeah that that was my goal (laughs) so circling back then Tori to what we mentioned earlier about getting crystal clear on the target market before you go ahead and start creating these communities. You mentioned that you did some market research. Do you have any tips or ideas or anything practical around what it is that people can do to go and, you know, come up with who their real target market is? I think it depends on who you are. Um, So for me, I chose to serve some someone that was similar to me. And I think that's the easiest place to start is serving someone that has similar drivers and wants and needs and desires as you. Um, so that's an easy place to start. But if you are trying to serve someone that might be, um, you know, polar opposite to you, then I definitely think market research is a good place to start um, talking, talking to your ideal customer. I know people say, oh, make your customer persona or your customer avatar. I think pick up the phone or drop it in person, actually speak to the person and make sure that, you know, you're valuable. Yeah. (laughs) Like make a persona, but talk to the person. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I think that that can just help you so much in making sure that you're designing a business or a community that is actually going to serve the person because you might have a fabulous idea in your head and then you talk to the person they go, I don't need that or I wouldn't pay for that or it's not something I'm interested in. Well, obviously get a good market sample, but if that's the consistent feedback, then it's not going to work. Yeah, and it's one of those uncomfortable things to uh, choose a couple of people, you know, come up with four, five, six people. I personally did this myself in my business before I got started because I I had ideas on what I wanted to do, but I wasn't convinced that what I wanted for people I felt was perhaps not what they really wanted for themselves. So I really needed to find what it was that was going to be the thing, the thing that I can help people with, but they also wanted help with. And I actually touched base with about five or six different people and I did uh, 40 to 50 minute interviews with these people uh, and I recorded them. I actually recorded them on Zoom with their permission and I physically went through and transcribed our conversations so that I could pull out their words and really get their feedback and use their words in what it was, you know, as I was sort of trying to nut out myself, what is it that these people really want? Because even when people are using their words, sometimes you don't know what to ask for as a business owner. It's about sort of me really looking deep into you're saying this, but what is it that you really are asking for? So that's really great advice. I found it really invaluable. I think that's such a great tip to put it on Zoom and then record it and find their words because their words are going to be, they'll be essential for your marketing, for your packaging, for your messaging, all of those sort of things, taking their words and just reframing them. That can help you so much with actually making that connection. Yeah, it was a great experience, but I can assure you that I was well out of my comfort zone. I feel like running a business for me anyway is just one day after the next of doing something that's uncomfortable for me. And I think with every moment that we go through that's like, I really don't want to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. It's like you do grow as a business person and you do progress as a business owner. So yeah, it is about doing those things that you kind of don't want to. They're not sexy. They're not fun. They're uncomfortable, but we got to do them. I agree. And it's just like, you know, it's like doing a Facebook live five years ago. Oh my goodness. That would just, it was, it was the scariest, scariest thing for me. But now like Facebook live, cool. I'll jump on and do it. Do I need to prepare? Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) And yeah, it's definitely that, that just growing, you know, the person you're going to be in five years to achieve the goals that you want to achieve is not the person that you are today. Yeah, exactly. And I think that probably leads really nicely into one of the other little topics that we wanted to talk about, which was pursuing goals with serious determination. So when you mentioned to me that that was one of the things that really moved the needle in your business is pursuing goals with serious determination. I just, I loved to hear that you said that because it doesn't get talked about a lot. um, And I don't really know why, but I feel like it's one of the most important things that we need to do. And it's that determination that forces us to sit through these uncomfortable moments or do the things that we don't love doing, or we know we're not really the best at it or whatever it might be, but I'd love to hear your take on, on, on just that, you know, what is it, what does it mean to you to pursue your goals with serious determination? So one thing I like to think about when I set a goal is 
it's inevitable that I'm going to accomplish it. Uh, the goal is it, it, I will accomplish it. That's it. Done. It's just a matter of, I don't know the time frame yet, but for me setting the mindset that it, the goal is achievable, it, it will be accomplished for me, just that little mindset tweak alone, I think just sets that determination from the start. And I think if we can, one thing I, I see quite often in businesses is not necessarily having clear goals, because if you if you don't have clear goals, you can't have serious determination and just assume, yeah, I'm going to accomplish that. So for me, I like to start with um, goal setting and, you know, you don't need to have 25, 30 goals. I think a handful of goals with maybe a three-month time frame, a 12-month and a five-year time frame is really a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, and they it's really good advice. I love to then break it down into a couple of, um, you know, then it's like what types of goals, you know, is it uh, I'm going to have – X number of clients in the next 90 days, or I'm going to make X dollars of money in the next 90 days, or, you know, this, this sort of different goals. And one in particular that I love to try and encourage people to think about is more, and sometimes it's more of a long-term goal, but the goal around the number of hours that we're working per week, you know, how can we reduce that down to something that we're happy to do, that we love to, to, to do. If we're, if we only want to work 20 hours a week, then set that as a goal. Then eventually at some point, I love what you say, you know, I can do it, but I just don't know when it's going to happen. Well, set the goal to start with. If you only want to work 20 hours a week, then set that goal. It's um, yeah, I love that. It's a great connection. Yeah. I think if we can start out, you know, if you only want to work 20 hours a week, only work 20 hours a week. Don't start off working 60 and then try to reduce it down to 20. So I think if we can achieve parts of our goals right away, I mean, those, those quick wins, they just, they're just a further proof that we are going to inevitably achieve our goal because we've achieved part of it. So for me, that sort of mindset tweak is really, really important. Um, I'm I'm not huge on like woo-woo stuff, but I do like to do some mindset work around goals and visualizing and manifesting. So I'm not huge on it, but I do believe that it has a place um, in life and business. And so um, things like daily... Interesting that you say that, Tori. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I am the most... Uh, non-woo-woo I'm not going to say anti-woo-woo but non-woo-woo person and but there is this part of me that I'm starting to think okay uh, I actually just I ordered a book the other day and it's turned up and I'm starting to read it because I'm starting to think okay I need to find out a little bit more about this mindset stuff everyone keeps talking about it I need to get my mindset right about my mindset do you know what I mean like I feel as though perhaps that is something that I need to look into a little bit myself because I keep fighting it because to me I look at it as though it's sort of woo-woo and I don't do woo-woo so yeah uh-huh. I'm a, I'm very much like you I feel like there is something there that can benefit me as in my business and myself and my personal development but it's kind of like I don't really know where to start because if I if I do pick up a book and it's like really super woo-woo I, I'm just going to throw it to the side and go, oh, that was a waste of time. So mm, it's hard to know where to start with the mindset stuff. It is hard to start because, so for me, I'm very much like, okay, let's do some practical, actionable steps and strategies, things that we know that work. But I do believe that's only going to get us 
so far in business. And so then when you start adding the mindset to it, I think that that's what takes you to the next next level in business. And a lot of people like, I think you, Jen, that have really solid mindsets that are like, well, I know what I'm doing in business I and have just innate confidence. The mindset stuff comes later because you don't have any imposter syndrome and all those other sort of things that you're battling with on a daily basis. Mm. And so it's it's just a later part of your business journey because you can get really far on strategies and action and those those solid concepts that we believe in so strongly. Um, but yeah, manifesting and yeah, visualizing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're tough. They're tough for someone like me. I'm 46 years old there. I've put it out there. So I have been around for a little while, been doing this stuff for a while now. And I think that maybe it almost comes with age a little bit. So, And I don't know how old you are, Tori, so I won't put you on the under the pump right now. But I am like wondering that I sort of think maybe as you get older you just become more chilled naturally I think with where you are in life and what you expect from life and if something doesn't go your way or you get a rejection or or whatever I feel like you just go yeah whatever absolutely I think it just it just rolls off now. I'm, I'm, I'm 32. Um, but I have to say, you know, you're a baby. I I mean, I am, I'm a little bit of a baby, but I, I've got 15 years experience in small business. So I feel like I'm a veteran in small business. Yeah, Um, Yeah. 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 But I do think that, um, it is something that, that can be a part of your, your business journey. And for me, I've, for me, mindset, is not, um, I don't, I don't like to treat it like a big, scary thing to me. It's just things like writing out my goals every day, because if I write them out, literally first thing I do, I have a goals notebook. I sit down at my desk and I just write out my goals for, um, say the month or the quarter. It might only be four or five lines, but I've written them down and it's just kind of that reminder of, okay, yeah, that's what I'm going after. That's the whole reason I'm sitting down at this desk. So it doesn't have to be, huge people say mindset work but I I'm still not sure what that what that is um so for me it's literally just sit down write my goals out if I ever have any hang-ups in my business then I like to do a little bit of journaling around it and yeah so for me that's what helps kind of drive me forward towards my goals yeah I love that you can take something that I look at and sort of shy away from and turn it into something practical because, you know, as in writing those goals down and having them there staring at you every moment that you sit down at your desk. To me, that sounds like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Of course I can do that. I do do that, but I don't look at it as a mindset thing. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's the way for people like myself to really start to warm to the whole mindset thing is, what are the practical things that we can do? Um, personally, what I do every day when I sit down is I, and I've developed this habit years ago, was I write down three things that I absolutely must get done today. It's not a to-do list. These are my three things that I absolutely must get done today. And I'll always write down the things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do them. But if, if I don't write them down, they're not going to get done. So I'll write them down and I'm I'm one of these people who loves to tick it off the list. So, you know, it's just a way for me to make sure I don't waste the time that I spend sitting at my desk so that I 
I do actually get the things done that I need to get done. So I do reach those goals that we just spoke about, those 90-day goals or whatever they might be. So, yeah, I love how you can take that mindset thing and if you can make it into something that sounds sort of practical, then, yeah, why wouldn't we do it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think in terms of, like, visualising um, visualizing and, and manifesting, so for me all that means is, like I will write down what my ideal work day looks like. And so it's not anything that is, that is super woo woo. It's just me kind of crafting my vision. That's like, yep, this is what I want. This is what I'm going after. And just being really clear and specific. And so that for me kind of takes this big woo woo over hanging idea and just makes it into something that I can kind of swallow in terms of strategy and this is exactly how it's going to go for me and my business and um, because yeah it, it's taken me a while to warm to it as well yeah yeah no I love it it's really practical and it feels like something that we can just do yeah simple as that you can yeah. just do that. We can do these simple things. Anybody can do these simple things. And if it keeps you on track and it helps you to reach your goals and you're reaching them faster than you would have otherwise, then there's it's it's all good. It's all up from here, isn't it? Exactly. And it's just keeping those things front of mind that those are your priorities. And so um, it just makes it, yeah, so much more achievable because you are constantly reminding yourself, yep, that's what I'm going after. So, Tori, is there anything else that you would love to add to this great conversation? We've spoken about growing an online community, why it's important, and and if I've given us some really great practical tips around what it is that we can do to make sure that these people that we're growing the community that they're actually engaged. I love that engagement is key. We've spoken about the target market and how to get that clarity around your target market. And we've spoken about how to really go after our goals. Is there anything else that you'd love to add to the conversation before we finish up? I think that that we covered so much today and I'm so glad that we did. I guess, I guess my final parting <laughs> comment is, you know, right now the online space is really full, but I think that there is still room to build more communities and for better connection. And I say better connection because there's a lot of communities that exist but aren't necessarily engaging or really serving their audience. And so don't be discouraged by, uh, I guess, the flooded market of the online space because if you can really have a fantastic point of difference and really serve those people, then there's 100% a place for you. Mm, that's such great advice and it does feel like that it does feel like it's flooded like almost like oh that's just it looks so hard everybody's doing it but the other thing that I probably would love that I'd love to point out with you and your community is that you don't have thousands and thousands of people in your community do you no 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 so we have um 500 women in our free Facebook group which is so engaged and just so active which is fabulous and then we have 70 members within our inner circle, which is our, our small paid community. And I, I'm, I intend to grow that to, to bigger numbers. But, you know, you can start off with 10 people and it'd be a great community. Yeah. And that's, that's a really, that's a point that I would love for, for to be able to drill home at the end of all of this is you don't need to go out with big grand goals of creating Facebook groups or communities with thousands of people because they're actually not always 
that engaged, they're not always the best communities to be a part of as a as a member and as a somebody like yourself, Tori, that's running these communities, how nice that you can actually start to almost know the people that are in your groups, can't you? Because you do have these kind of sweeter, smaller numbers. A hundred percent. So I actually have on my wall a sticky note with every member's name. So I know all my members like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And it just means I'm actually connected to them. And sure, we might one day reach bigger, higher numbers, but I'd like to think that along the way, I've still got that personal connection because I feel like I'm quite invested in everyone's journey. You know, I want to make sure that they're getting good things from the community, that we continue to serve them. And so I think that that connection, you, you can't have that with thousands of people. Um, and so, yeah, small numbers starting out are, are the way to go. Yeah, I love it. It's a, it's a really, it's a great way to differentiate yourself from everybody else who is doing it in this big, huge world of, um, of, of the online at the moment. It's what better way to differentiate yourself than to target exactly the right people that you know that you can make an impact with and keep the numbers sweet and small and engaging and yeah, Sounds like sounds like a great plan to grow a wonderful business as far as I can see. And you're oh. doing it you're doing a great job. So yeah, well done. Thank you. It's um I have to say, like it is just an absolute dream of mine. It is the thing that lights me up and makes me so happy is is the the inner circle and big ideas rural as a whole. And um the feedback that I get from members, it just yeah, it just I have the biggest smile on my face when I think about it. Yeah, I can I can hear the smile. For those that are listening, we're on a program where we can't actually see each other. We're just talking, but I can hear the smile in in your <laughs> voice. So yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. She's very genuine, this girl. Tori, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have had you here. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for anybody that is listening now and thinking, yeah, this is a community, perhaps, you know, Tori's community is something that I'd love to be involved in. When where can they find you? So you guys can check out Big Ideas Rural on Instagram, or you can head to the Hub for Rural Business Women on Facebook, and that is our Facebook group. Great. I highly recommend you head over there and check it out. Wherever you might be listening in the world, I hope you are having a wonderful week in business, and we shall talk again soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Simply Smarter Numbers. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I'd love to hear from you. Come and join the conversation online. You'll find Simply Smarter Numbers on Instagram, Facebook, and more. Just head to simplysmarternumbers.com and you'll find all that you need there. Simply Smarter Numbers is dedicated to you getting the results that you deserve in your business. And I'm honored that you tuned in.